0: You are listening to the Sermons Podcast of First Baptist Church, Mount Washington. Matthew chapter 13, I hope that uh, you brought a Bible. If you didn't, there should be one in front of you, and and I encourage you to turn there. Um, We begun a new series last week on the parables found in this particular chapter. Matthew uh, saw fit to include uh, several of them in in a row, often called the kingdom parables. Last week we looked at the first one, the parable of the sower or the soils, as uh, some would describe. That's one of the few parables that Jesus actually explains for us, which is very helpful. In fact, Jesus doesn't just explain this parable, He explains why He chose to speak in parables, And that's a little passage tucked in uh, that we uh, didn't address last week in verses 10 through 17. Uh, But I want to begin reading Matthew chapter 13, 1 through 3. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And He told them many things in parables. Look down in verse 10. Then the disciples came and said to Him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And He answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has... More will be given, and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand and you will indeed see but never perceive for this people's heart has grown dull and with their eyes they can barely hear or their ears they can barely hear and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and i would heal them but blessed are your eyes For they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that we might have ears to hear, eyes to see what You are saying to us and revealing to us from Your Word. And I pray for Your help. I pray that You would increase and I would decrease and Your Word would go forth today. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So there is both a terrifying warning and a tremendous blessing in Jesus' words to us, uh, and you might say in the parables themselves. Matthew tells us in verses 1 through 3 that that same day Jesus told them many parables. Matthew is alerting us to the significance of this particular day, on this day when Jesus began speaking in parables. Uh, Verse 34 and 35 says, All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, He said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Something happened on this day that marked a, a transition point in Jesus' ministry. Uh, so that whatever He spoke to the crowds, it says that He spoke to them in parables. So, so what happened on this day? And why is Jesus speaking to them in parables? Well, well to answer that question about this day, I we're going to have to look backward in Matthew's Gospel for a moment. You may want to uh, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. One of the you said uh, earlier to me that this sermon, curiously, only has two points, and he seemed to be excited by that. <laughs> but here we are turning to Matthew chapter 1, and the air goes out of the balloon. You know, each of the four Gospels was written for a specific purpose, and Matthew's was written, as I mentioned last week, to show that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, that He was Israel's King, He was the King of kings. And if you trace through Matthew's Gospel, you see this theme, I think, clearly for us. Uh, Chapter 1 here, you're familiar. Uh, perhaps Matthew's gospel begins with the genealogy of Jesus. And Matthew's intent for us there is to explain to us the royal lineage of Jesus, that he came from the line of King David in the Old Testament. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. His purpose is to tell us about how Jesus came from King David, his lineage. Chapter 2, verse 2, Jesus was born, the wise men from the east came. And notice in verse 2 it says, they were asking, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? In verse 11, they present royal gifts to the newborn king. Matthew is the only gospel that contains that story. Presenting gifts to the king, the newborn king. Chapter 3, verse 1, see, we're moving at a good clip. Chapter 3, verse 1, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom is here, he said. And then he testifies about the arrival of Jesus, the King, the Messiah, the Son of God, right? Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Chapter 4, Satan tries to derail Jesus' kingship as he tempts him in the wilderness. You'll see the story there, just following the heading. Verses 8 and 9. One of the particular temptations, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. But Jesus overpowers Satan, conquering the kingdom of darkness. And, of course, we know he will defeat him ultimately at the cross. Chapters 5 through 7, you might be familiar, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, which Jesus tells us the principles of the kingdom of God. This is how those in the kingdom should live. Notice chapter 5, verse 3, the very beginning of a sermon. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We get to the section in chapter 8 through 10, and this is a powerful part of Matthew's gospel. You might say these are the credentials of the king. Like, how do we know for sure this Jesus is the the king, the Messiah king? So these chapters are filled with powerful works of Jesus, which, which prove and verify that he is the king of kings. Chapter 8, verse 3, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. Jesus stretched out his hand, it says, and touched him, saying, I will, in other words, I'll heal you, be clean, and immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Down in verse 13, Jesus heals the centurion's servant who had been paralyzed by sickness. Down in verse 16, Notice what it says. Matthew says they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons and he cast out the spirits with a word and he healed all who were sick. With just his mere word. Think about the tremendous power in that verse. With his word he cast out demons. He healed all who were sick. There's no one they brought to Jesus that he said "I'm just. I'm not sure I can help you here. He healed them all. Verse 26, a wonderful story. Jesus his disciples in the boat, the storm comes up. Jesus speaks to the storm and calms the storm, and he speaks to the sea and calms the sea with His word. That's how powerful He is, with his word. Verses 28 through 34, he cast out demons. In this case, demons so fierce that no mere human could contain, they didn't know what to do with these two guys, they put them in the seminary, cemetery, almost said seminary, that'd be, but the cemetery, <laughs> Jesus, he, He's no match for these demons. In chapter 9, there's more, Jesus heals another paralyzed man, At the beginning of chapter 9, Uh, Verse 27 and following, He heals two blind men. Uh, I actually skipped some there. Verse 22, He heals a woman with an issue of blood. Verse 24, He raises a young girl from the dead. I mean, Jesus proves Himself again and again to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords by this miraculous power. But there's also something else that's happening during these chapters, and it's the troubling part. It's something that is quite stunning, quite troubling. The greater the works that Jesus does, the greater the evidence that He reveals that He is the King, the greater resistance there is to His kingship. In chapter 11, we see that in spite of these mighty works, the people were rejecting Jesus, notice uh, chapter 11, verse 20, then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. That's a fascinating statement. I've heard people say that they would, they would believe jesus they would believe the gospel or they would have more faith if they simply lived during the time that jesus walked the earth and they could just see these miracles they would then believe show me a miracle and then i would believe matthew's gospel is proof positive that is just not the case in fact it says where the, the cities where jesus did most of his mighty works most of his miracles those specific cities they didn't believe Miracles do not always lead to faith. Jesus did all kinds of miracles in front of the Jewish religious leaders, and yet they didn't believe. The other thing that's amazing about this is Jesus' incredible love, because Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, even in their unbelief, Jesus continues to invite them to come to Him. They, they're rejecting Him. He continues to invite them to come. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. Come to Me, He says, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come. They didn't come. In fact, they wouldn't come. They would not repent. Instead, they hardened their hearts toward Jesus the King. Well, in chapter 12, when we get to that same day that Matthew speaks of when Jesus enters the synagogue, there's a man who is there with a withered hand. And the religious leaders are also there in the synagogue that day, and they... Ask Jesus, chapter 12, verse 10, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they asked this question, Matthew says, so that they might accuse him. Their hearts, in other words, their hearts were so hardened, they were more worried about keeping uh, their man-made uh, traditions or laws than actually seeing this man restored and healed. Jesus tells the man, stretch out your hand. And he healed the man right there in front of them all, verse 13. Verse 22 says that then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he, that is Jesus, healed him so that the man spoke and saw. Miracle after miracle. What was the response of these religious leaders to all of this? Now, Now think about it, just Think about all that we've just heard, all that we've just seen. This had been going on for two years from Jesus' lineage to his birth, his triumph over Satan his life-changing messages, his miracles that were validating the Messiah, the King, who, who he was. For two years, he's been walking around doing these things. For two years, he's been healing and raising the dead and pleading with them to come to him for salvation. And now he heals a man with a withered hand and another blind and mute man right in front of them. I mean, you would have... I don't know what you would have thought if you would have, have been there in this, but I do know what the religious leaders concluded from this. Do you know what they said in light of all of this? They said, Jesus must be from hell. Verse 24, chapter 12, verse 24. It is only by Beelzebul... The prince of demons that this man, talking about Jesus, cast out demons. That was their conclusion. Jesus must be from hell. Their hearts were so hard that they refused to believe. And so in chapter 13, verse 1 through 3, that same day, Jesus told them many things in parables. Verse 34, indeed, He said nothing to them without a parable. What does that mean? That was the question of the disciples. Uh, In verse 10, the disciples came and said to Him, why do you speak to them in parables? I, I think there are two answers that Jesus gives for us. First of all, parables conceal the truth From those who are rejecting Jesus. Parables conceal the truth from those who are rejecting Jesus. Verse 13, this is why I speak to them in parables because seeing, they do not see, and hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. Jesus says, I I speak to them in parables to conceal the truth from them. This, is, uh, this day in Matthew 13 is a, is a tragic day. I mean, a- after attempt after attempt to reveal Himself to the, the Jewish people, Jesus essentially says here, no more. You don't want the truth. You don't want to receive my teaching. And so now I'm going to close the curtain and you won't hear it. And you won't see it, and you won't understand it. I'm going to speak to them in parables so that they cannot see, they cannot hear, they cannot understand. From now on, these parables, when I speak to them, are going to sound to them like silly riddles that really don't make any sense. And Jesus is saying, I'm not going to speak to them clearly anymore. Israel had rejected him as king and now Jesus was rejecting them. So we talk about parables. In one sense, parables were an act of judgment on those who were listening. Judgment. He, he quotes the prophet Isaiah to explain. Verse 14, he says, Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed. Hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. With their eyes, they can barely; their ears, they can barely hear. And with their eyes, they they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. And I would heal them. That prophecy, seven hundred years before Jesus, Isaiah is saying. There's coming a time when the Jewish people would get Ample information about who Jesus is. In fact, he would be among them. They would hear him. They would see him perform miracles. They would hear great teaching from him. He would fulfill many of the prophecies concerning him. It would be very clear. And yet, they would not believe. They would see, but they would not perceive, Isaiah says. They would hear, but they wouldn't understand. They would close their hearts. To Jesus. And so the truth was re- withdrawn from them. Jesus concealed it. So the parables are a judgment on those who are rejecting Jesus, a judgment on those who are unwilling to believe. This is a terrifying warning, church. Now, I want to say to those who may be here today, or, or maybe even listening or watching, who have not responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Hebrews 3.15, we mentioned this last week, Today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. When it comes to faith, faith is not about having more evidence. Faith is always about the will. There was more than enough evidence here for the Jewish people to have believed Just as there is more than enough evidence for you to believe. Do not harden your hearts. Some of you have yet to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know the gospel. You hear the gospel. You know it. You hear it. You know that Jesus died on the cross in your place. You know why he died. He died for your sin because you're a sinner. He rose again to give you life, but you keep putting this off more and more for a perhaps a more convenient time or maybe there'll be you're waiting for something, waiting for a sign to come, another sign as though there you need one more thing to believe. But if you understand the gospel, you don't need more evidence, you need to act on the knowledge that you already have. The belief Matthew uses the word hear nine times in verses 10 through 17, Uh, and it it is an imperative to us to, to hear and to hear the warning of this text. If you keep hardening your heart toward God, you may become like that hardened soil that we talked about last week. You may no longer be able to hear You may become like that hard ground that cannot receive the Word of God. Today, if you hear His voice, the Bible says, do not harden your heart. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Receive Him. Receive Him like the good soil that receives the gospel with repentance, with obedience, with perseverance. Receive. If you're a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, then there's also a great warning for us here. In fact, someone has called this the master key to our spiritual growth. Jesus, speaking to His disciples, says in verse 11, He answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and He will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That's an important spiritual principle. Those who have responded to what they have been given will continue to receive more. But those who have not responded to what they have been given will find that what they have decreasing until it is even removed altogether from them. If we don't take what God gives us in His Word and act upon it, there comes a time when the, our spiritual muscles begin to atrophy. God begins to withdraw His truth, and we go backward in our walk with Him. So there must be in us a lesson here in our lives as believers that we are to have an ongoing receptiveness to God in His Word. The fertile soil Jesus mentioned in this previous In this previous parable where we continue to acknowledge the fact that we are spiritually bankrupt, that our poor hearts, poor in spirit hearts, need, uh, stand in need of God alone. And therefore, there ought to be something about us as believers where we are always pursuing, always striving to hear and understand God's Word, praying for this, pleading to understand it, striving to put it into practice and some of you perhaps the reason that you're not growing is because at some point you stop doing this. And at some point you got comfortable in your faith, you got complacent. And all of a sudden there's thorns that have grown up in your life around your heart choking the word of God. And therefore you stop. Be careful, hear this warning. Dull ears leads to a dull heart. dull scene can lead to spiritual cataracts on your eyes, and there's a hardening that takes place. Well, here's how the parables can help us with this. They don't just conceal the truth from those who are rejecting Jesus, but they reveal the truth to those who are receiving Jesus. This is the good news, the beautiful side of the parable. Jesus says in verse 11, "...to you it has been given... To know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Do you realize what a grace that is, church? To you it has been given? What a grace it is to have received Christ. To have received His Word in our hearts. To have heard and to understand the Gospel. It is a grace of God. This is only because the Spirit of God has opened your eyes to see and your ears to hear like a divine miracle of that demon-possessed man. To us it has been given. What a grace of God this is. What's more, Jesus says in verse 12, "...for to the one who has, more will be given." And he will have an abundance. Whoever has received Jesus, who has received him as their king, who has become part of the kingdom, who is believing, repenting, responding to the word, Jesus says he will receive more. Whoever has accepted God's truth will receive more of God's truth. Whoever has received the light of Christ will receive more of Christ in fact an abundance. You will understand more and more of God's truth as you continue to receive and put into practice in your life. There will be an abundance of joy and fruit. It will be of such that you find that this truth of His Word, this King who lives in you, and His Word is changing your life transforming you you've been empowered by the spirit of god you have been made alive so all of a sudden you find that there are desires that are in you that begin changing you desire to hear the word you desire to know the word to understand the word you want more of the word you want more of christ you want more of his kingdom rather than your own kingdom and in this way the parable's Reveal more to us. So as Jesus tells the parable in verse 44 about a man who discovers a treasure in a field and he sells everything He has to buy that field. We don't just hear an earthly story and wonder about what in the world, the economy of things, who would ever do that? No, we know as believers in Christ, we see right away the incredible gift and worth of Jesus in our lives. The treasure that he is, the treasure God has made known to us in Jesus. We get it. This man wants to sell everything he has because we know the value of Christ. We know what he's found. Jesus, We relate to the parable of the man who spends his life looking for the perfect pearl in verse 45. And he seeks it and he seeks it and he looks after it. Then one day he finds it. And when he does, he sells everything to buy it. Oh, the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, our Lord. He, he counts all things as loss compared to this. Someone who's not received Jesus has no idea what I'm talking about. These parables are a grace. So that when you hear them, you don't just write them off as some riddle or short story that doesn't really make any sense spiritually, but you come to them rather with an insatiable appetite. Even if you don't understand them, you have this incredible desire to understand them. Like the disciples, you come to Jesus, he says, What does this mean, Jesus? Help me to understand. Like that fertile soil prepared and ready to receive God's word, you want to know what it means because of the wonderful grace of Jesus that has already been shown to you. How can his word be? be anything less it must be wonderful and great you've received this treasure of the gospel it has changed your life and it is changing your life and you want more in fact jesus says in verse 16 but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear oh For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it and hear what you hear and did not hear. Christian, do you realize what a grace of God it is that you are able to see and hear these truths today from His Word? The grace, having the Spirit of God living in you, enabling you to understand. You're not a Christian today because you are smarter than everybody else. You're not a Christian today because you're just more humble and you stumbled and wandered in here. No, you are a Christian today because you've been given the grace of God and your eyes have been opened to see. Your ears have been opened to hear. And what a blessing it is to have ears that can hear and eyes that can see. Are you allowing that grace to motivate and empower your life? Are you pursuing Christ and His Word with all of your heart? Jared Wilson summarizes the purposes of parables, I think rather well, in his book, The Storytelling God. He explains it like this. He says, when Jesus teaches a parable, He is not opening up chicken soup for the soul or a fortune cookie but he's opening a window into the heavenlies. He's revealing a glimpse of eternity crashing into time. A flash photo of his own wisdom brought to bear. These parables give us a peek into the kingdom of God. And he notes they are designed to simultaneously bless the spiritually sensitive and to dull, to confound the spiritually dull Jesus has already showed us this in the parable of the sower. We should not be surprised by it, and we should not be surprised that it plays out right in front of our very eyes. We see it all the time in the life that we live, in the life of our church, the beauty of Christ, the beauty of his gospel. It continues to captivate millions of believers all over the world and drive them to passionate worship and passionate evangelism and passionate service where they're giving themselves to, to Christ while at the same time, this same gospel, disgust, angers and bores millions of people Paul described it 1 Corinthians 1.18 for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God Wilson concludes that the day of the Lord's favor is a new dawn to widows and lepers like us But to the self-centered, self-righteous rabble, it's just any old day. The parables are just any old stories to some, but they are smart bombs of glory to others. They are postcards from heaven saying, wish you were here. Now, which one are you? What is the temperature of your heart today? Sitting here under the word of Jesus declared to you once again how are you receiving this? are you bored? do you wish that we were talking about something else? what do you find in you the spring welling up of joy and conviction and peace and a mixture of all of it God working Is the word of the cross folly to you? Or is the word like a new dawn? Like a breath of fresh air, like a cold drink on a hot day? A grace of epic proportions? Are you wondering at the fact, filled with wonder that you were once blind, but now you see and you understand what that means spiritually? Are you wondering at that? So that now you want to pursue Christ and obey His word more than anything else in the world. Which one describes you? As you think about it, be careful. The parables will either be a judgment on you or a grace to you. He Who has ears, let him hear. Heavenly Father, thank you for your words to us today. I pray that they would stir our hearts, our minds. For you, we all confess that our seeing and hearing has become dulled because of thorns, we've allowed to grow in our hearts and lives, please forgive us. Please help us to see anew what a grace it is to be able to sing, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Because of what you have done for us in Christ, by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Awaken our hearts to these truths, and may they transform us. We pray for those who may be here today listening, and it has occurred to them the hardness of their hearts. We rejoice once again, Lord, that as long as the gospel can be heard, there is hope. Lord, open up their ears to hear that they might respond today. We pray this together in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I'm Pastor Jason Clark. And if you don't have a church home, I want to personally invite you to First Baptist Mount Washington. We're striving to be word-centered, gospel-focused and community-minded. Learn more about our church and our meeting times from our website, fbcmw.org.